Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. Well, hey, Candare Podcast. This is Greg Brady, and you're happening in a far-out kind of way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jay Crunyon. And joining us today from Last Chance Comics, we have Jay Wright to talk about his comic Undead End, which was beyond awesome love to it. read, mm, I must say. Thanks for being with it. us, Jay. Oh, thanks for having me, and thanks for the kind words on the book. There are more to come. There, Yes, <laughs> indeed there are. We had a lot of fun with your book, so uh, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, in this week's Retro Roundtable, we're going to be talking about MMOs. Uh, what's that? Mo- massive multiplayer, multiplayer online, online games, yep. yes. Uh, you probably know much more. Well, both of you actually probably know a lot more I've, about that than I I've do. I've got so. some wasted days under my belt. <laughs> I'll say. Money, too, because I don't Dude. even play them anymore. Could have experiences. You're making experiences. Yeah. They don't feel like a video game. It feels like you were there, right? Mm-hmm. Until, like, the next year, and you're like, oh, I've done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> my life is meaningless. So after we do that, we'll be going around the table talking comics. What do we got this week, guys? Anything good? Back to the Future. Oh, I can never go wrong there. Dark Souls. Oh, man. This is your bread and butter this right here. This is pretty much yeah. the foundation of my interests right now. Very cool. So, yeah, a few comics we'll be talking about, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Jay and talk Undead End. So, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. All right, everyone. MMOs. Where do we begin? Do you want to you want to kick it off? Well, since uh, Warcraft just came out in the theaters this week, past weekend, without any spoilers or anything, just a quick either it was good or it was horrible. What'd you think? Oh, I loved it. It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was the acting wasn't great. Right. The CG characters actually had better acting than the actual live action <laughs> characters. Not a good sign. The story was Warcraft lore. There's a little bit of holes in it, but of course it's going to happen. It happens in everything. Sure. But the best part was recognizing a lot of the areas from playing the game and stuff. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Just like the main cities, little stuff like you'd see a creature in the corner that you'd recognize from the game, and we're just like, oh my god, look. (laughs) That's pretty neat. Yeah. Things that people who don't uh, know the game would never pick up on. Yep. Opening weekend... Maybe a third of the theater was filled up. Yeah. There's not a lot of draw to it except for the, the It's big a select fans. crowd, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. select crowd. I'm not one of them. You are. Mm-hmm. You know, I would probably hate it. It's probably a great movie. You played a little bit of it. I did, yeah. Um, how long did I play, though? Maybe... They got to level 10, I think. Was was that the one we were playing with all my friends and stuff? No, that was Star Wars. That was Star Wars. We never played Warcraft with them? No, I don't think so. Okay. Here's my thing with MMOs. I'll just get this right out there since it came up. Is uh, I guess what sullied my experience with the uh, the Star Wars game was when all my friends came and joined us. And no, no, you're, you're not doing it right. You gotta yeah. Come with me. You got to go craft this. You got to go do this. I don't want to take orders. It's a game. You yeah. know? I just want to have fun. 
And uh, I never had that problem with you or Jeff. You guys would just do whatever the hell you want, you know? <laughs> That's why when Misty and I first played, when we moved to California, it was so expensive to live there. We were trying to live cheap, mm-hmm. well, entertainment-wise, I guess. And I was like, hey, we could play this game called World of Warcraft. And it's only 15 bucks a month. All right. So she played a little bit, and then she was sold. And our friend, well, Jeff, that used to be on the show, right. him and uh, his buddy Alex, they played it already. And they made new characters and ran with us the whole way through. Wow. And, yeah, they never did. Any, they gave us little tips on how to do stuff. But other than that, yeah. no, it wasn't any of that. You got to do it this way. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, no. I, I, I never made it anymore. past 60 on Warcraft. I had a friend who uh, bought me the game. It was like the two-player. They were had some promotional deal. It's like accelerated oh, leveling yeah. till yeah. the cap. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, like, he moved or... I don't know, got hit by a car or something, whatever. I don't remember. And I just stopped playing it because it wasn't any fun with only one person. No. You know, yeah. it's right. it's very much a social sort of thing. Yep. Right. What about you, Jay? Um, I don't have a lot of experience with MMOs, but I are the Star Wars game that you're referring to, is that Star Wars Galaxies? Um, that's not the one I was referring to, but, you know, I'm right in the same boat with you there. I don't have a lot of MMO experience myself, except for Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah, I played Star Wars Galaxies, like, when it launched. And, yeah, me uh, too. I loved that game for, like, six months. And I remember the the Jedi-like system was, like, a big mystery because they didn't yeah. have it set in stone. And people were wondering, like, how you become a Jedi or if it's random or if there's, like, a quest line that you have to do. And um, it was interesting. And I, I, I remember I was, like, a smuggler for a lot, for most of my time. And uh, it was a lot of crafting. But I remember just hanging out with some of my buddies, making camps and yeah. stuff, just talking. And it was, like, a ton of fun. I don't know. No, I totally understand. I, when it launched, it was a completely different game than when it uh, was taken down. Because, you know, they eventually just gave you the Jedi class. Or, you know, you want to be a Jedi, fine. You can be a Jedi <laughs> here in a few yeah. levels. And takes the excitement call. out of it. But uh, like he's saying, in the early day, yeah, you couldn't just select, I want to be a Jedi. Yeah. It was a huge mystery. Nobody knew. And I remember being in-game, uh, seeing a Jedi for the first time. People just were gathering in masses <laughs> to see, you know, what the in-game lightsaber and Jedi looked like. It was pretty darn cool. I obviously never achieved that, but that that early version of the game got dogged on so bad because it was just like, you know, I, I buy a Star Wars game for a Star Wars experience, and here I am just crafting stuff. But I think it was more, you know, you're you're supposed to be living in this world. It's not always going to be exciting. I think that's the experience they were, you know, trying to give you rather than just like the old Republic is now, or just rushing you into whatever class you want to be. And You're living a storyline in that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In that context, I've got respect for the game. The idea that it's creating kind of an immersive world, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, which, I mean, they all seek to do in some form or another, mm-hmm. but, but that it wasn't so focused on constant combat or something like that, mm-hmm. and there were sort of these sprinklings of other activities to kill time. Yeah. You know. They're cool. not. They're not like that anymore. It's all no. just the instant no. go in action, get to the end level, and go play beat like each other or go right and a lot actiony these yeah. days. Like that's that's the big selling point. All the ones that are doing really well. All my favorite moments from that game that stick in my mind are nothing that the game developers like 
had me do. It wasn't right. a path they had me it's walk. Whatever down. your imagination let you do. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you could you could put a house wherever that you wanted, you know. So I I built a big house on the uh, coastline in Naboo. It was freaking gorgeous you know, go. for a video game. Right. And I had you know great big uh, animals that would graze nearby. It was really cool. And I knew, like for instance, another player way down the beach had built her own cantina, who had actual people who would show up at certain times <laughs> to play on her stage. That's nuts. And, it was incredible. You don't see that anymore. You know, there's there's one I used to play, and this is old. This is an ancient game. I couldn't even tell you. I think I saw an ad for this game in a in a gaming magazine when I was like twelve or something. But uh, it's called Anarchy Online, and it looks atrocious. It is a hideous game by today's standards. <laughs> but it really had that immersion thing down. I used to get lost, and it. it was like very cyberpunk. With like magic and stuff, it's sounds familiar. Yeah, it's man. like yeah, it weird does. to describe because it's very strange. But I think for that reason, it it really sticks in your head. And there were a lot of cool concepts and right. evocative scenes and junk like that. But I, I think that's probably the one I've played the most out of all the MMOs I've dabbled with. Right. I, it sounds familiar, but I don't remember exactly. Really quick before we move past galaxies, Jay, you were uh, sound like you were about to say something on galaxies. Oh. Um, I, I just I didn't play it all that much. Um, I played it for six months and then I kind of lost interest because the the you know the Jedi issue was never resolved or anything. But um, I don't think I don't know if I had anything else to say really. Was, <laughs> yeah, maybe I maybe I cleared my throat or something. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was uh yeah I, I ended up checking back in with the game in its later format. I had I broke my arm and was off work for like six months in a cast. I had nothing to do so. I played that game, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Again, it wasn't the same game as when we started, but uh, right. my God, it was just, it was, like, so many cool things I can think of happened in that game. Again, Star but, Wars. Yeah, there was there was a uh, dude that had a freaking, like, a big shuttle you could go through space, and people could ride in and look out the windows and stuff going by, <laughs> but he would he would take you on, like, Star Wars galaxy tours. Like, like <laughs> I'm going to take you to where Alderaan used to be. And when he took you there, there was great big, you know, hunks of rock hitting you everywhere. And uh, I don't remember where else exactly he took us. Maybe, like, where the droid uh, control centers used to hang in orbit over a planet. Oh, oh yeah, 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 Something yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't remember everywhere he took you, but it was dang cool. There's cool. a guy I knew that... He after he had to kind of reassess his life pretty much because he was playing the game so much he had so many work orders from people coming in that he had Excel spreadsheets of like all the stuff that he had to do. Really? And after a while he's like, "What am I doing? I'm working more than I am in, in real <laughs> yeah, life now." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the same thing that happened to me. I got into this um, spaceship piloting MMO called Eve mm, online. I've tried which it, which is. It's it's like Microsoft Excel, the MMO. It's just readouts and charts and graphs. I mean, to figure out if you're able to hit an enemy with your ship's turreted weapons, it doesn't give you some readout like, oh, yeah, you're within range. You need to know the effective and fall-off ranges of your gun. You wow. need to know the tracking speed in, like, radii per second. You need to know the rate the enemy ship is moving as well as its angular velocity and you've got to match that sum against the tracking speed of your turret to even realize if you're going to be able to track it far enough to zero in for a shot and for some reason all of that nightmare number crunching 
just blew my mind. And I played it for like six months straight. Wow. Something about it. It was, it, And I'm not going to say Jeez. it was a good game, but it was formulated in some crack-like addictive way that just really got to me. When I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's when you master something as technical right, as that. Right. It's so satisfying. It's like such a badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually heard a story recently about Eve. Um, I mean, I understand that it's like extremely hardcore. They have their own economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that there was a... Uh, a group of uh, gamers that got together and they formed their own like clan or whatever, and they be, they they got really powerful and they started bringing in these other clans and these other clans and they just became like this huge government that basically rules. E. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. They're called Goon Swarm. Yeah, and they became <laughs> such a such a weird anomaly that I actually did a for a uh, for a, an English class I was taking. I did a report on them when we were talking about like tyrants and despots and how things like that take over i'm just like right. Goon swarm dude <laughs> wow that's yeah. pretty neat and there's there's the the story i was reading was there's a player that started a casino in game and he became extremely rich with in-game currency because he ran this casino and everybody went there to gamble and um i guess apparently he was talking with some other players that were, you know, longtime players and asking them, like, what would it take to topple this this regime? And they were like, it's impossible. You can't do it. Uh, and they, you know, they were talking about these other players that would go in and then they would join them and then try and, like, steal from the, from them and they would be hunted down, like, constantly. They would not be able to play the game with that character anymore because they were constantly hunted. So that casino owner, he said, no, 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 no. How much money do you think it would take to fund a war against this regime? And they they went and they took a couple days and they cracked they they you know looked at the numbers and they came back with a number and apparently he's funding a war which I think is still on. <laughs> that's crazy. No kidding. Yeah. 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 And I've heard uh, there's a rumor that that player that's funding the war that owns the casino is actually Lenny Kravitz, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I hope the world is that incredible. Oh my god! I hope that's true, and we live in such a magical time when something like this can happen. That just sounds like something straight out of South Park. See, like, and it's <laughs> it's the fact that stuff like that can happen on this game that just really blows your mind. Yeah, like, that's that incredible. That I, I didn't know anything like that could happen. Yeah, right? yeah. I actually, was happening. I recall a story about someone. The biggest ships in the game are called Titans, and they're about the size of space. They're like the size of moons. They're absurd. And it'll take you months and months, if not years, to build one of these things, gather the resources, mining, crafting, yada, yada. Not to mention, like, building up the skills to fly one. And this dude, who was, I think he was the top of the chain in Goon Swarm, he commissioned two titans to be built, brought every member of his fleet in to work on them, personally jumped into one, flew it into deep space, and set the other one to self-destruct. And he was, like, never seen again until he came back with some new armada of pirates to take back everything he had before. It's insane. It makes me of, almost want to try to play it, but I know, I know there's but it's no like way you'll I You'll never reach that point. That's why I had to yeah. stop playing. It's like you can only look at these things from the outside, you know. Wow. Are there things about this on YouTube? And... Oh, all over the place, man. Yeah. It's, oh, it's man. worth researching. And what, this is a PC game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit's crazy. Balls. I'm a Mac owner, God. Uh, there you go. Man, I, I was on the edge of my seat. Nuts. I don't have anything <laughs> yeah. to say now. You, you got to read up on it, dude. Wow. It's, oh, you burn Man. a whole evening researching that stuff. 
you guys have any other stories? I'm just like sitting on the floor here, like Indian style, with my chin in my hands. Like, tell me another one. There, they're all. Man, that sounds intense. Yeah. And, and the reason this this faction that um, that Jay was talking about were able to come into power is because instead of recruiting 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 the best players with the best ships and the most resources, what they do is they trick all the new players into saying like, oh yeah, if you follow us and you go out to this region of deep space where there's no security and fight this enemy, we'll give you such and such money, or you'll be part owner of this spaceship, or you can invest in the corporation. And they'd get these fleets of, like, newbie ships, which would chip away at these big expensive ones, you know, death of a thousand cuts, and they'd get completely swept away. No one would survive. Just fodder and But, yeah, since they were losing essentially nothing, they had these grinding wars of attrition where they could beat the most well-equipped factions. And it's crazy what a parallel that is of, like... You know, you get, like, modern extremism where they're kidnapping kids and telling them, hey, there's candy at the end of this missile launcher, you know, and just <laughs> sending all these innocent people out to fight for them. It's like, it's it's weird. It's like planet Earth miniaturized and, and condensed, and you picked out all the people with a conscience. It's just a world of <laughs> bastards at war with each other. Man, I've never been so, like, sold on something. I want to yeah. play this shit. <laughs> wow. Makes me wish I kept it on my computer. I'd get on there and I'd, I'd go through the tutorial, pretty much get on my ship, go out into space, and it would give you kind of a tutorial. All right, this is how you jump to here, and then you go over here. Look, there's some pirates over there. And after a few minutes, I'm like, uh, I gotta push F. <laughs> and okay, I, I'm gonna log out for a little while. Yeah, yeah. And then never do. And I think I would, I'm gonna go play baseball or something. <laughs> it's one of those things I would get in front of me, be excited about, and like like you're saying, I just get too overwhelmed too mm-hmm. fast. I like to get into my game right now, but it's definitely something I lo- would love to read on, and definitely I'm gonna spend time researching a fictional <laughs> war than I, I should actually be researching real wars. You know, oh, it's crazy. They've got free trials and stuff. I mean, they all have free trials, yeah. but. Uh, it's nuts. It's like a heroin dealer here. Well, you know, uh, I can. Uh, I ain't you saying you should play it enough. <laughs> oh man, where are we at? Seventeen minutes. Man, that was good. It's, that it's was good. Nuts. Yeah, it was. I'm percolating. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, one other thing I was just going to say: a couple MMOs I think should be made. One. I think already is kind of made uh, DayZ a, a suitable zombie mm, apocalypse. Yeah. It'd be nice to have one that had all the best features of all the yeah. garbage all, that's yeah. out there. Yeah, one it that's combined well. It doesn't have to be complicated, you no. know? I mean, it could be the same kind of character build as like a uh, Grand Theft Auto character. Get a tough vehicle. You know what? Let's get just get guns. a zombie expansion for Grand Theft Auto. There you Call go. it a day. It's already got the framework for that kind of How gameplay that you want. Not... I don't know. Rockstar did it for around. Red Dead Redemption. Oh, so yes. It's obvious did. that someone at Rockstar is thinking, like, you know, if, if we really wanted to print some fucking money, zombies in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Here's the difference, though, between Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. Buildings in vast <laughs> detail to just That's miles and miles of flat sand. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah. that rendering, that would shut things down. I guess especially yeah. online, that'd be rough. I've never been so reliant on quick travel as I was in Red Dead Redemption. Sometimes it's cool to take the countryside yeah, ride on your horse and whatnot, but for the most part, just get me You got stuff to do. If you got yeah. half an hour before work and you just want to yeah. bang out some game time, you don't want to spend it getting from town A to town C. <laughs> right. We'll see what unfolds when I get off of work. Oh, there was a coyote. <laughs> yeah, right. Crazy stuff. The second 
And again, this has been attempted with, I think, the Ark video game, the Ark uh, MMO, where you're like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, with the, the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. Again, very, very technical game. You're like, you, you'll die if you're too cold, if you don't mm-hmm. find food and stuff. An MMO Jurassic Park. I That'd mean, be awesome. So easy. The story's already there. Just make it like Trespasser, but with a bunch of people. You know, you're lost. The facility's abandoned. Yeah. Don't get raptored. You know, it's Find easy. Everyone up. wants yeah. to play that. And That's Ark's pretty much like that. If you're... Like, I remember one time, Jeff and I were playing. He was on the other side of the island. And I'm like, all right, give me a landmark, trying to figure out where each other were. So I was like, all right, I think I know where you're at. Running, running, running. Gets to be dark. Can't see anything. And uh, then it started coming up morning, and I come over this cliff, look down, Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he Maybe turns around, you just see him look over his shoulder like, there's food. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So I started running. I ran around a rock in circles while he kept following me, and then I was in it, able to lose him after at the end. Really? But yeah, it was, it was freaking intense <laughs> trying to lose him. I played the, uh, what was it, the... Uh, beta for yeah. it on uh, Xbox and it was a timed beta you only got 30 minutes oh that's a that sucks because it takes way more than that to learn to what you're doing exactly yeah. and I barely figured out like two moves you know mm-hmm. like punching I think I figured out and maybe jumping I never figured out how to eat <laughs> it was a good hour to learn that you had to punch a tree to get like thatch yeah and then you get a rock and you can make a, a campfire or something like yeah it was. It's not easy. But, you know, this could even work as... And this would never happen. In a perfect world, it would. But an expansion for Grand Theft Auto, Jurassic Park, right. you know? <laughs> Turn that whole uh, island from the game. Just take all the buildings and stuff out. Put a command center. Put a few utility sheds. A, a harbor, you know, with a boat. That's all it needs. And a bunch of fucking dinosaurs. And you've got, <laughs> you've got a good recipe for That's the game, game right there. Yeah. Rant over. Well, after that moment of silence for the game that does not exist, we're just going to move right on into the comic dump bin. All right. Who would like to go first this week, or I can go first? I'll start us off. You'll go first? Yeah, I'll knock this one out. Uh, This is Dark Souls, courtesy of Jack, who was uh, cool enough to let me read this. And I have got kind of an obsession with Dark Souls that's been smoldering for years now. Is that right? I didn't know. Well, you know, maybe I had mentioned it in passing. I didn't notice it at uh, Cincinnati or the Cleveland (laughs) Comic Con when you saw the display. I only took like six or seven selfies with the statue. I want to stay here, play the game. You guys enjoy the show. (laughs) Get me on the way out. What was with that orgasm just now? Dark Souls. Wasn't mine. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm I'm way deep into the game, especially with the advent of the third one. So this, uh, this comic came at a good time. And I tell you what. It's pretty sweet. On the cover, you've got, like, if you've played Dark Souls, you recognize this knight on the front who's got this angry, scowling sun on his tabard. That's Solaire of Astora, who's, like, the crown prince of Dark Souls memes and jokes and fandom. Everybody loves this dude. So I feel like their inclusion of him into the story was, like, mandatory if you want someone to pick up a Dark Souls-themed book. And uh, this story's cool in that it follows the concepts of the series, if not the story itself. The, the, you know, Cliff Notes version is the mythical cycle of creation wears down every so many centuries, millennia, eons, and death starts to lose its hold over the cycle, so people don't die. They come back as undead, and they get a little crazier every time they destroy it and, and reanimate, and 
you, in Dark Souls, you're always looking at these civilizations after they've declined. You're one of these undead wretches stuck in the middle of a once grand empire, combing through the ruins, trying to see if you can be cured or saved or stop the cycle or reignite the flame that is like the soul of the world. And, and they address that early on, talking about all the cataclysms that have taken place and the loss of life and how the unquiet dead march unfettered across the landscape and so on and so forth. And there's a, a main character. She's a knight named, I believe it's, yeah, Fira, who um doesn't really fall in line with the Dark Souls aesthetic. She's a little fanciful with the armor and all that, but that's me being a huge dork and nitpicking. But she's very cool. She's got a little sorcerer, soothsayer companion named Aldrich, um, who I don't think... There's an Aldrich character in the third game who ends up becoming some, like, god-eating super horror monster, but I don't think they're related. And they're uh, traveling through this this sort of crystal labyrinth, trying to get to the, the mad king of their fallen empire, and find his artifacts, which is a very classic Dark Souls theme. And, uh, you know, crystals, f- f- uh, like, factor heavily into the mythology as being, like, some, like, magic and discord sort of solidifies into these crystal masses, and people seek out these crystals and stuff. It's, um, it was a cool story. It was, it was fairly short. I blew through it pretty quickly, but, uh, interesting art, you know, stayed true to the concepts, if not the story of Dark Souls. And cool stuff. Cool stuff. And you got Solaire right there on the front, and he's in a couple pages, or at least like a, an illusion of him is. So, yeah, give it a shot. Check it out. Cool. I should probably name the, uh, yeah, George Mann and Alan, I believe that's Qua, Q-U-A-H. Well, either way, good on you, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Jake. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, Jay, would you like to go next? Um, you know, I don't really have any comics that I've read recently. I will say, I mean, I have a lot of books that I, like, reread quite a bit. Um, I've been making my way through the, like, some old X-Men books. Like, I'm, I'm currently kind of in the middle of this Chuck Austin Uncanny X-Men run from, like, the early 2000s. Do you remember that run at all, any of you? I do not, no. Um, I remembered it kind of fondly, and now that I'm rereading it, um, I'm realizing kind of how terrible it was. <laughs> because Chuck Austin, apparently he came to prominence by doing adult, like, uh, erotic comics, and somehow found his way into writing one of the flagship titles for Marvel. <laughs> there's all these weird sex stories like in in the X-Men books there during his time like there's a scene where Angel um it's alluded to him <laughs> I don't know what he's doing specifically but he's being intimate with Husk in midair above where Husk's family is like her brothers and sisters and parents like immediately off panel you hear all these like sounds and them talking to each other and saying things that people say in the bedroom it's really awkward and strange and there's moments like that throughout the his entire run who and, greenlit uh, that idea yeah. it's like yeah do it man Look, this is the comic that housewives are reading in the afternoon <laughs> with a glass of wine in hand but um it's it's an interesting uh i can't believe it yeah i can't believe it didn't it continued for years you know it wasn't like, oh, we made a mistake and they, you know, they stopped it right there. No, it, it kept going. I think he wrote those books for like two or three years, maybe four years. That's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> who, I wonder how that happened, how he got hired. Like, oh, I love this guy's sex stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> right. 
He's got to know superheroes, right? Uh, so, boss, where do you know him from? Um, uh, <laughs> we, we met at the bar. I, I don't know. He just seemed like a cool dude. Let's give him a try. Said, Shut up. Who cares? So what? Leave me alone. <laughs> Asking too many questions. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Uncanny, or uh, not very cool, it would seem. Yeah. Uncanny, Super uncanny late. X-Men, early 2000s. All Can't right. Win them all. <laughs> I'll go next. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this book. I wanted to talk about it a few times in the past, but uh, always pushed it back. Uh, this is a two-headed monsters comics, and uh, these guys were at the space con that we were at in uh, what middle of April. And I picked up a book called Cash Out, which is a Johnny Cash theme book. Now. I'm just excited to do this because I get to put some Johnny Cash music behind this little segment <laughs> yeah. right here. So, hey, why don't we just, uh, any any requests? Oof. I've always been a Folsom Prison. Uh, yeah, like that. that was right on like When in doubt, yep. I always fall back on that one. All right, Folsom Prison it is, and there we are. All right. <laughs> so, this book is pretty much... It's, it's so interesting. I've never seen anything like it. The book in itself is a tribute to Johnny Cash. And uh, on page one, or, or not page one, but the very first story is called The Origin of Cash Out. And it's all about this fella here. Let me get his name. Brian Haluski. And he talks about how he uh, came to be like Johnny Cash and how while he was you know, getting into the career was when Johnny Cash was... Uh, you know, kind of fading out. His his life was coming to a close, you know, mm. and he knew it. So uh, he just talks about how on that night he died, he, you know, had a moment where he just sat in his uh, house by himself listening to Johnny Cash records and drinking. He thought it was very appropriate. Well, every year since then, he's pulled more and more of his friends into this tradition of uh, on the anniversary of his death, celebrating by drinking, listening to music. And this comic is an extension of that tradition. What they all decided to do was, you know, all these different artists in their own way put a Johnny Cash tribute together and put it in this book here. So let me show you a few examples. Um, one being right in the middle is a centerfold of Johnny Cash here. And this is the entire piece. It's not a comic. This is just one standalone thing with the lyrics to uh, I've Been Everywhere. thought that was pretty cool. Um, That's a good song. Yeah, it is. Somewhere else in here is the recipe, the recipe for sticky pie. And this is <laughs> an actual recipe. <laughs> Not that I'm going to make it or anything, but... Is that the real recipe, or is that what... Didn't someone, they kind of made it, they figured it out, and that's yeah, what they this, ended up calling it? Yeah, and that's what this, okay. that's what this is. Uh, there was a tattoo artist who did a bunch of uh, Johnny Cash-inspired tattoos, so this whole spread here is nothing but uh, his tattoos. Just very interesting. Uh, this, my favorite was the very last one called The Cave, and uh, it's just, I'm assuming a true story. It sounds like something you'd hear from the history of Johnny Cash, but where at the point of his life where he thought he'd hit rock bottom, no way to come back, he decided he was going to get himself lost in this cave he knew about to a point where he couldn't find his way out and just die down there. That's the way it should be. You know, that's the way I feel uh, I should go out. We've all thought about it at one time or yeah. another. If only I had a cave. I know. You know right? I, I don't know where to find these caves. Mine's only about a foot deep. I... <laughs> you better get digging. <laughs> it's too scary going all the way to the end sometimes. But he finds himself very deep in the cave, and he lies down to die, and something comes over him, something that urges him to come out of the cave you know, he should be lost. He should not be able to find his way out as deep as he had been in there. But without missing a beat, finds his way out. And he thinks it's like a sign from God. Because as soon as he comes out of the cave, there's uh, June and his mom or 
a miscellaneous third person, someone who matters, okay? But <laughs> <laughs> they're there waiting for him. Uh, just a few examples, again, of what's in this book. I would definitely like to have these guys on the show maybe in September. I think it's September, October, the anniversary of his death, so maybe we could have him on, have like a whole Johnny Cash theme show. That'd be pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. You think that'd be cool? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe we'll look into that. Break um, some sinks. There we go. <laughs> Dewey Cox. Yeah. I'll bring a whole bunch of just miscellaneous pills. There just, you go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just get just a grab up. bag. <laughs> for Johnny Cash. It's all for the cause. Yeah, right. So, yeah, uh, from Two Headed Monsters Comics, Cash Out. Cool. All right. Who's next? I'm last <laughs> and least. Uh, this one's going to be tough because it's Back to the Future and good old time travel. Uh, it's Back to the Future, Citizen Brown. It is based on the Telltale game, video game, mm. which I didn't realize that at first. I always kind of wondered what that game like was. Like the, the video game for Nintendo? Like the... No, it's a well, PC. It was on Xbox. They're basically, you watch a story go along, and all of a sudden it's like, hit A. Hit A, X, or B. Oh, I see. And it'll look over here. And it'll yeah. Just sort of making decisions. Kind yeah. of just humoring the player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll be like a you real intense important. part. If you didn't hit A at this time, then you die and you start back at that spot again. Yeah. But uh, it starts out, Marty's writing in his diary. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> and he's just talking, you know, he he's finally back. It's been a couple months since he's been back from the Wild West. The DeLorean got destroyed by the train. He was kind of glad he'd probably never see it again. All of a sudden, DeLorean shows up. Of course it does. Him and Jennifer, they're at the house. They run outside. He's like, hey, Doc, I didn't think you'd be back. Grab the DeLorean. I thought it got destroyed. Open up the door. Doc's not there. It's just a tape recorder with Marty on it. Or that says Marty on it. So he pushes play, and it's Doc saying, oh, you know, the, what did he call it? The auto-retrieval feature has worked like a success. I ran into some problems in 1931. I need your help. So he's just like, oh, come on, Jennifer, we got to go. And she's just like, no, I don't want to go back there. So he's like, whatever, it's probably better you can go anyway. So he ends up going to the school library to find out what happened back then. And uh, the school library doesn't have any record of any of the newspapers from back then. For some reason, there was a fire or something. And the librarian says, go talk to, uh, uh, what was her name? Principal Skinner's sister, Edna, I think it was. She was a reporter back then and wrote a, a great paper that when he goes to her house to find her, to ask her about the paper, she's like, oh, yeah, it was it was horrible what happened to Carl Sagan back then. And pulled out the newspaper, and there's a picture of Doc Brown dead that says Carl Sagan killed by uh, what they thought was Kid Tannen, Biff's grandpa, <laughs> which was a gangster back then that ran a speakeasy. And it was back when Prohibition was going on, so he made booze on the side. These uh, tannins really have a racket <laughs> on the bully market, don't they? Yeah. All through time. So he ends up stealing the newspaper. Goes back a couple days before the when Doc got killed. Uh, goes back to Hill Valley, 1930. He's walking downtown. This woman walks up. Hey, hey, you lonesome guy on the street. He's like, who, me? Yeah, you're the only guy on the street. Uh, my name's Edna Tannen. I'm a reporter. I want to know if you know anything about this do-gooder that burned down the speakeasy the other night, which ended up being Doc Brown, and he's in jail. Then Marty ends up going to the jail, talks to the Doc, wants to get him out of there. Doc says, well, go find me 
I just made this rocket-powered drill that I sent the pan patent to the patent office waiting to get something back and bring that here and get me out. But remember, I'm not much into science yet. So he goes to a courthouse, finds young Doc Brown that's working as a clerk. Doc Brown's dad's actually the judge. And young Doc Brown is getting ready to give some, a subpoena to, I think it was Arthur McFly, which is the bookie of Kid Tannen. And Kid Tannen doesn't want the cops to go pick up Arthur because he'll be able to snitch and then that'll ruin old Kid Tannen's drug ring or booze ring. What they end up having to do is go steal alcohol from Kid Tannen's speakeasy because they need alcohol to run this drill. And he ends up getting the alcohol just doing the Marty McFly, coming in and just raising all kind of ruckus, stealing it. He gets Doc Brown out of the jail, and they end up going to the DeLorean, and all of a sudden, Marty looks at his hand. It's going clear to be continued. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> just can't catch a break, that Marty. If you had narrowly escaped 1885, I mean, he was almost stranded there for good. Mm -hmm. You escaped that situation. You're getting in that time machine again. For anything? No. 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 I'm done. One and done. I, yeah. <laughs> three and done, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You've been lucky this far. Quit <laughs> pressing your freaking luck, Marty. After the first one, I don't think I'd have gone back after that no. one. I'm not sure. I'd have stepped in it to start with. <laughs> yeah. Keep Marty, the car, Doc. I need your help, Marty. Fuck That's you, a shame. Doc. Sorry, Doc. You got to <laughs> get the... It was an accident. Point. He was running for the Libyans. You got to... It's true. <laughs> All right. Another successful comic dump, Ben. So with that, let's just move right into... Real World Heroes! Jack, who do we have this week? Well, first off, Jay might know. You said you were in Idaho? Um, Iowa. Iowa. Okay, never mind. I was, this is coming. <laughs> Everyone gets those two states mixed up. That, that and Ohio. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, we have this week uh, Leah and Joel Woodward. Uh, from Boulder, Montana, and this happened within the last two weeks. Lee and her husband, Joel, were driving on an icy road in Idaho when they saw two vehicles get in an accident, hitting head-on. I guess there was some kind of bad hailstorm okay. a couple weeks ago, because it was... I wouldn't think there'd be an icy road this yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but they're up north, too, so... Uh, they stopped and ran to the car and found a mother and her son, Brandy and Killian. Killian is four years old. In the wrecked car. Joel broke the window to help to get the two out, but Brandy, the mother, was pinned inside the car. Leah was able to get Joel out of the car and cradled him, stabilizing his head for about a half hour until help arrived. Killian ended up to be in... He ended up being uh, internally decapitated. Oh, my God. His skull Jeez. was pretty much detached from his spinal column. And it took about an hour and a half to get Brandy free from the wreckage, and it turns out that Killian's going to be Okay. He's going to have maybe a neck brace. They probably won't have to put one of those halo yeah. wire contraptions on his head just because she Gee, was able to hey. hold him long enough without him moving his head the whole time. But they're both okay. Um, the mother, Brandy, she's pretty banged up, but she's doing all right. But there's a GoFundMe page for uh, Dr. Bills for the both of them. My God, I can't imagine mm -mm. how quickly your life can change. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> How wow. quickly your head can detach from the rest of your <sighs> Jeez. Apparently no. it's a 1% uh, chance of survival from it. And this little four-year-old kid's going to be all right, I guess. That's, in, that's insane. Wow. Well, good for him, right? Yeah, oh, I'd man. say. 
And, and what were the names again? Leah and Joel Woodward. And for that, Leah and Joel, you have found a spot in our world of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. Wow, amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. Well, with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Jay and talk about Undead End. Thanks again for being with us today, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was an incredible book. And uh, before we start gushing all over you here, uh, why don't we let you tell the listeners a little bit about Undead End. Okay, so Undead End is a zombie comedy about a hypochondriac germaphobe who is faced with a zombie plague outbreak in his small middle American town. I'd say that sums it up. <laughs> Very cool. I could go into more details. Uh, he, you know, it, it basically follows him and uh, his friend Nolan. And throughout the night, he sort of comes into, you know, crosses paths with some of the, the characters and friends and old enemies and, and people in his town that he's kind of grown up with. And you get a sense of, like, where he's come from um, and what kind of... Uh, upbringing he has and and of course in the in further issues i'll kind of go into more of his backstory and why he is the way he is and all that so and this was a heck of a lot of fun i don't even know where to begin uh with this book uh first let me say bravo because this oh, thank thing you. was amazing <laughs> from the time we opened up the pdf and looked at it, it was just like wow you've got my attention yeah. that front cover is freaking amazing it's, it really is yeah, there's some something subliminal about it because I can't really tell you what it is, but maybe the colors or something. I, it, it, you know, it it conveys the whole tone of the story so yeah. well. You oh, know, this, this this dire situations juxtaposed against this wackiness and and the sort of self deprecating kind of slant it has to it. You know, he's this ostensibly loserly character, just sort of bemoaning his fate. It's I, I don't know. It just works. In so many ways, you know, I was already uh, drawn in even before the zombies had hit. I'm, I was content just to watch him BS with his friends, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For building the character, it didn't get old at all. Sitting there, yeah. just seeing him live his normal life. Yeah, and it's a life I know that at least you and I can relate to. I, was gonna say, I, I find it highly relatable. You were yeah, you, you by yourself. Yeah. Say maybe that's why because it was so close to home. And it's probably uh, given, but Jay, you delivered pizzas yourself, didn't you? I did deliver pizzas for <laughs> <laughs> We're all part of a group here. So, yes, it did resonate uh, very much on that level. If I had to choose two words to explain this, they're not even ad- not even adjectives, but... Uh, Cheese like very- steak. What? <laughs> Cheese steak, right? Cheese steak, yes. That's, no. Nailed it. <laughs> like very uh, 80s arcade kind of video store kind of feel. It makes me think, remember Limbo that uh, on the image that Casper and... Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Can I remember the other fellow's name? Did That same kind of vibe, and it's a lot to do with the colors, I think. I don't... Thank you. I, it's really speaking to me in a way I can't put into words. <laughs> You've done your oh, work. I, I'm really great. into the... Uh, your, Talking about colors, I think the uh, the purplish skin tone yes. of the zombies that really does it for me. It makes a nice, uh, it really makes the yellow eyes. Yeah, sort of. Well, there's just like a lot of uh, like neon kind of lighting. Yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. is what yeah. like uh, this page right here where he's uh, just he and his buddy are talking to Molly. There's like a you know, and I'm sure there's maybe a nearby sign. But there's like a red neon reflecting light on them. You don't yeah. see it anywhere, but. 
Oh, it's hard to explain. Right, right. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I, I appreciate that you're not afraid of saturation. You see so many comics that are just like indistinct gray blobs. Yeah. You're just like they try to, and yeah, some of them look fantastic, but the use of color here, is, I really love it. Oh, thank you. You know, and that was actually like a big focus for me. I've The school that I went to, the, the Kubert School, they train you in everything, every aspect of comic making. And um, I would say coloring was probably, I don't want to say it was my weakest thing, but it was definitely a skill that was something I didn't focus on as much until I got to school. So then when I started doing this book, I wanted, like, I, like, um, Jeremy, I think you were the one saying that um, it had like this 80s arcade kind of vibe. Yeah. Like that really, I mean, I'm glad you said that because that was like, those are very much kind of the feeling and aesthetic that I was really trying to go for. Well, you, you got it, man. <laughs> Mission accomplished. nailed it. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait to read the second issue. And Molly, what a looker, huh? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. You know, uh, I think the the thing that stood out to me like immediately, I remember you handed this to me and I saw the cover and I flicked it to like a random page. It's the expressiveness of the faces. You know, yeah, a, yeah. a lot of comics, you're so reliant on the dialogue to know what the hell is going on. But you could take out every spoken word in this comic and, and it would still be, you know, almost just as effective. I, I just think that the characters look fantastic. Thank you so much. That's and again, like. That's something that they stress at, um, at the Kubert School. They really want you to be able to tell a story without a single line of dialogue or, or piece of text on a page. The the facial expressions, I'm all, I, I really enjoy uh, art from like character uh, character design for animation mm-hmm. and like caricatures, caricature artists. They're uh, some of the more like digitally. Um, I guess there's a lot of digital caricature artists now and they do some really phenomenal almost I, I, it's not photorealistic but like all the textures and colors are photorealistic and then the the actual person like there it's an impossible face but they nail it and there's a few artists like that that I just absolutely love it reminds me of remember Aeon Flux oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. liquid television yeah. yeah it looks like it that if it was animated, it would look like it would have that kind of animation to it. I can it. see that, yeah. And the sure. boss's teeth give me the creeps. <laughs> okay, I could stop looking at them the whole time, just the way they're long and pointed in. Those crazy goblin teeth yeah. that are all, like, <laughs> angular. That was uh, something else you guys brought up a little bit ago and was a really good point, was uh, his boss. The dialogue oh, you've yeah. given him and the way, you know, you have it written on the page here... You can hear him in your head. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know. You like you can hear the voice yeah. from his first little word bubble on. I felt like oh, I know exactly what this dude sounds like. Yeah, you know exactly. Like, oh, that's great. We've I all encountered to... this person before oh, yeah. in our lives. You know? <laughs> exactly. I was a little nervous. I was over, like caricaturing him or stereotyping his his you know, dialogue, but I'm glad. No, dude, I I think you hit the mark right where it should be. Anything less wouldn't have been enough. Anything more would have been too much. You're like right there where it's perfect. I think I was reading too fast and I read it over and I had to look again. I'm like, wait a minute. And then I read it in the context that it's in. And I was like, Oh geez. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You've nailed it on every aspect. And what's fantastic about this is you've done this all yourself. Haven't you? Yes. That is heavy. Absolutely. Incredible. You're turning out this quality of book, and you do it all by yourself. How long did this issue take you to make? Um, 
start to finish, I, I mean, I had other work while I was working on the book, um, but it took me a year. Uh, like I was still doing other freelance work and, um, you know, the hardest, you know, the longest part of it was penciling and inking the pages. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it took a while. There was definitely times that I considered hiring a colorist, but I really had a an idea in my head for what I wanted the colors to look like. And I didn't want to trust someone else. Right. Especially since this is really like my first book that I've put out. And I really wanted it just to be a trans, you know, I, I wanted a direct translation from my head to the page. And I, you know, I feel like for the most part, the book turned out how I wanted it to look. So it looks awesome. It's Thanks. just, it's uh, something you'd see on the video store shelves in 1988 or something like that. <laughs> like, not to say the story or anything is dated. It's just, it's really speaking to the 80s kid in me. That's all I, I can say. It's just, perfect. Uh, you know what? This is a dumb question, but I, I really hope you have an answer. The Siposauruses, are those based mm. on a real thing? Is that something I can get somewhere? Because the second I saw that, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's what oh. I need. You know, unfortunately, there, it's a twofold question, but it's not going to be what you want to hear. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is based on a real thing. And no, you. I don't know if you can find them anywhere anymore, but um, they were actually kids' cups that <laughs> my daughter, like my daughter's friend had them, and then we bought her some. And uh, I changed them. They didn't look exactly like that. I think on the kids' version, you actually like drank out of the tail, like the tail was the straw. Uh, I gotcha. But I wanted to make this into like, you know, that 7-Eleven like gimmick that, you know, right. you go, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and you get your Slurpee in it or whatever. There was something like that a long time ago, and it was at uh, King's Island, I think, after uh, oh, yeah. after Nickelodeon. I don't think they still own it, but after they bought King's Island and thought that would be a lucrative purchase, was they had a whole Rugrats-themed area, and I think there was a... Wasn't there, like, a green monster or something? Reptar. Like a, That's what it was Reptar, called? Reptar, yeah, yes. Yeah, there, yeah. Were, there were cups that had heads on it. Very similar to that. It's kind <laughs> of what it made me think of. It's wild. That's awesome, well, man. I'm going to find one, rest assured, if I have to make it myself. <laughs> there you go. I just love the comment about the the magical property is only known, from, or known to geeks and gamers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, when... Is issue two coming out and what can we expect from it? Yeah, issue two, I'm currently working on it. And uh, I mean, I've gotten a lot busier since I've put this book out. Um, and since it's basically just me producing it, I've, um, and I'm not being hired to produce it. I basically have to take like all my paying work and put that as a priority before I go and work on Undead End. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm working on it right now. I really, really want to be able to launch it this fall i've been trying to determine when i see I, I actually had a kickstarter for the first issue and i think i'm going to run another kickstarter but i'm going to keep the goal pretty low so that um i'm actually going to treat it more like a like a storefront on the kickstarter site so that when you come in you're not you don't have to worry about like spending a bunch of money on something like if you just want the book that's perfect you know you can get just the book and and really that's the way i want it like i just want to tell a story and I want to get it in as many people's hands as possible. Sure. Well, you have to let us know when that Kickstarter is going up. Uh, we'll get you Absolutely. back on the show and help you push that. Awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask also if you ever get out to any conventions, but it sounds like you keep yourself pretty darn busy. Well, I do go to um, quite a few conventions, uh, probably less this year than I have before, just because I wanted to focus more on work. But um, usually I go to C2E2. 
Uh, I missed it this year just because we had a daughter and we wanted, you know, we wanted to keep our travels kind of more close to home. I can see how that might take priority. Yeah. Um, just just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Kids, From what we oh, heard, you didn't miss a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I go to, there's some conventions in uh, Minneapolis that I frequent, uh, ran by a uh, organization called the MCBA, and they put on really good creator-friendly shows. There's a local show called, well, it used to be called The Icon, and they've rebranded to be Midwest Comic Con, and each year they kind of get bigger and pull in bigger names. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, the Midwest Comic Con, um, I think last year was the first time they did that name, and then before, like the 10 years before that was Icon, but... The uh, then I try and make it out to New Jersey every once in a while since I was out there for school. Um, I haven't been out there since I left, but I used to do New York Comic Con and, oh, wow. and Wizard World Philly and stuff. So hopefully we get to uh, catch up with you one of these days. Uh, it's always we always say this. It's always fun to meet the artists, though. I'd get a kick out of it. Oh, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, it was it's been a blast so far. No, I've got contact information for, I mean, our listeners to check out Undead End, and it's just pretty much looking up Undead End on Facebook, as far as oh, I can yeah. see. was Are there any other avenues that we can direct listeners to? Well, I have a, uh, a store that you can check out, and I've got a uh, deal that you can offer your listeners, too. Um, hey. So I've got, uh, it's at squareup.com backslash store backslash the J Wright stuff. And that's just the letter J and then W-R-I-G-H-T stuff. I get it. Yeah, I get very it. clever, very clever. <laughs> and then when you check, if you if you decide to purchase anything and when you check out, just put in the coupon code canned air, no space, and you'll get 33% off anything, your whole purchase. Hey, hey, a canned air exclusive. Yep. That's awesome. Canned air's got <laughs> your back. <laughs> Helping you save on comics, yo. <laughs> Very cool, man. Well, hey, it's been a blast. Are you on Twitter by chance? Yep, it's the J Wright stuff. Or at the oh, J Wright stuff, my bad. That's <laughs> why we couldn't find you. That is clever, isn't it now? The J Wright <laughs> stuff. Well, Jay, I want to thank you so much for being on the show with us, and we're going to put all this information up on the website and uh, boost it out to the listeners. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you, man. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to canedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, see the Hall of Heroes and visit the Wall of Justice, check out the videos page, check out some of our YouTube videos and PSAs, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And check out Con Radio at ConRadio.com or WizardWorld.com. Many, many great podcasts uh, uh, on top of us out there. Uh, if you're into the conventions, you're going to find something in there you love. Uh, you got the Game Fix podcast, talking all about games. Are our, those are our dudes right there. Mm-hmm. Those are the boys. Those are our boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check them out. Figuratively speaking, Con Smash. Um, just to name a few, I'm not going to sit here and list every single one of them every time we do this spot. So, uh, yeah, you want to see the rest of them, get on there. Check it out. You will not regret it. And find us on Grand Theft Auto if you've got the balls. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, son. You want it. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> the crew name of Canned. You'll see the logo on our vehicles. Yeah. Come up. Say hi if you've got the nuts. We roll hard in Los Santos. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I am Jay Wright. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, we're all Jays. (laughs) (laughs) It is a sign. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another... <laughs> He's fucked me up. I'm sorry. <laughs> what was that? What happened? I'm just thinking about the whole... You know what I just thought of? <laughs> All right. All right. Outtake. Chipper. Chipper face. Mean face. Chipper face. Mean face. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 